Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, Mike Molina, and Doug Sprinthal. Fantastic. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? At, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. And now, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. This is for all the people that live in the bold north. First of all, I hate that bold north thing. What a horrible marketing slogan, and I'm glad it's over. But if you live in Minnesota and you're shopping for a new car, you would be a bold north member, and you could take advantage of our exclusive lifetime powertrain warranty. Every new car we sell in Minnesota, and 80% of the used ones carry a lifetime powertrain warranty at no cost to you. As long as you own the vehicle, it's major medical coverage for your car. If the engine dies or blows up or the transmission goes out, all-wheel drive system is covered. Minor, More minor things are not window regulators, radios, uh, air conditioning systems, that sort of stuff. You can buy extra coverage for that, but the major stuff, you're covered but please don't say that you live in the bold north. I agree completely. The bold north. Horrible. Okay. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. What is Babe Ruth coming up to the plate? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> God. I know. Tony Bennett. What about Tony Bennett? No, no, no. I watched Goodfellas last night. Oh, you did? Okay. Yep. So it's all about you. Yep. It's all about Still you. Still great after all these years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and this his show was amazing. Yes, it was. Tony oh, yeah. Bennett? Tony Bennett Yeah, the was, fact yeah. that, how old is he? He's 91. 90, 90, 90, 91 now. Yeah, and he's standing and yeah. dancing. Uh, standing. He's standing. Wow. wow. <laughs> he's breathing and everything. He was breathing while we saw him. Well, he's 91. I mean, but he was standing for like hours. And he doesn't have that, <laughs> that old guy thing. Carl Franklin quaver in his voice yeah. that you usually get when yeah. you're no, in your 80s. No. no, he was interacting with the crowd and the other members of the band. The only thing yeah. uh, I think Catherine pointed it out was all of the oxygen tanks and wheelchairs and everything that had to be valeted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's well, true. It was an older crowd. One, yes. one match and could have taken Mike out Molina. the whole place. Yeah, I'm there. An older crowd. <laughs> and Mike Molina. <laughs> Pretty much like true. my great-grandson. <laughs> hey, Shani. Yeah, I bet that Tony's had some um, vocal cord surgery. You think so? Because so? at that know. age, singing for, you know, what? At least 60 years? You know what, though? I That's he, a lot he, of scar tissue. I mean, he didn't belt it out like crazy. The, in, in those days, they I mean, they could sing and they could really hit a note, but they didn't like they didn't do what they do today. You're right. Or, Technique or like is a, a rock star. Techniques is a big part of that. I mean, you listen, yeah. the opposite yeah. end of the spectrum is Rod Stewart, who just goes flat out all the time and just trashes his voice. Yeah. Yeah, and they do that kind of screaming kind of thing, too, yeah. and that's really hard on your vocal yeah. cords. Tony's daughter was pretty There good. you have it. Yeah, she was good. Yeah. I agree. She came out. I was out. a little eh on her. Was she 74? Oh, I was expecting more. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting more. She was only 82, so <laughs> he was born when he was nine. No, she looked... No, she was younger. 50-ish, maybe. Did you hear about the couple that had been married for 70 years and finally got a divorce, and the judge says, you've been married for 70 years, why are you getting a divorce now? And the husband said, well, we've been waiting for the kids to die. <laughs> 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 
That's really nice. <laughs> Antonia Speak- Bennett is only 43. Yeah, I didn't think... 43? She was born when he was 48? Apparently. Oh! Uh, Tony's... Uh, well, it's not super uncommon. Especially among Italians. Oh! 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 <laughs> I was 44 when my daughter was born, so close. See? Oh, you were? You're not oh, so you are part How old was Gene when Alex was born? He must have been at least at, in his 40s. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. he was... A, he was... Well, Alex is 29 29. now, and Gene is... 52. Yeah. Well, look at Tony Randall. So there you go. You can yeah. do it whenever you want. It's true. <laughs> okay, we'll open with a... If I do it, I mean have a kid. <laughs> we'll open with a, uh, a kind of a sad story here. Oh, no. Bitcoin is my potential pension. What's driving people in Kentucky oh. to join the craze? Don't do that. Don't, Don't invest your pe- pen- pension no. in a yeah. high-risk investment. That's a no. horrible idea. I love the poorly educated... Yeah. yeah, he had ed- invested in uh, Bitcoin almost two years earlier. So now Jacob Mellon had a new house, a new truck, a new consulting business, a line of people coming into his office trying to become wealthy as quickly as he had. One person said he expected to use a moderate, uh, a modest investment to retire in twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, a modest investment will get you to retire in twelve to eighteen months, no problem. Well, another said he wanted to use the proceeds to start a business, and a father of two talked about paying off his own student loans and buying several acres of land, all the things he did not see a chance to do with his income as a software salesman. Us little guys, well, it's we little guys, but no, us little guys working our butts off, we can't get ahead, Cedric Knight, 35, told Mellon. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to change my life. Knight and others visiting Mellon were pinning, uh, pinning their hopes on a new form of currency, whose potential value the world is only beginning to was only beginning to realize. Millions of people around the world are chasing after fortune by investing in Bitcoin, which has soared by more than 2,500% in value in the past two years, and other digital inv- instruments known as cryptocurrencies. Don't do this. No, not unless they've you're... already. Haven't they dropped like thousands of <sighs> no, dollars already? What is this story? Uh, the story just came out today. But because yeah, it's dropped. Oh, excuse a me, ton. February third. Actually, it came out four days ago. So yeah, but it's dropped a ton in the last month. So why uh, would you? Let's see. So it dropped from nineteen thousand down to six thousand. What's the difference? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes, yeah, seventeen thousand to seventy-five hundred uh, t- yesterday. Oh, so God. that's over fifty percent. Yes, in one in, day. Well, in a month, but no. a lot of it was within the period of a week or so. I, I've read a lot about it. I've talked to people about it. I, I'm, I don't, this sounds arrogant. I, you know, I, I did make it out of fourth grade, and I'm fairly educated. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. This seems like the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world. The whole, okay, there's um, only so much of it. Well, who determined how much there was, and how does coupling computers together give you the power to mine invisible stuff? I don't. I, I don't well, the mining it. thing is just um, you get bitcoins. There are things called blocks. And you have your computer solve it, – it, it's basically a very complex math problem, um, and you have your computer yeah, solve part that of that gen- problem. How does that generate value? I mean, what's the point of that? It, there's no value except for the value okay. that people give it. There again, it's, it's – well, I mean, like, you know, I've played stuck. a lot of online games yeah. where people are perfectly willing to – Give someone else fifty dollars for some, you know, item or a horse or whatever. My son did that, even though they don't have any real value. Them. Yeah, a digital yeah. knife. They don't have any real you value, to but spend you know. forty dollars on a digital knife. Okay, great. Oh, he plays Counter Strike, does he? Yeah, he did. Yep. Yeah. What are we talking about here? Uh, the, digital these knife. knife skins in Counter Strike. It's some of them are worth thousands of dollars. What is a knife skin? It makes your, ni- light, your knife look different. So if you're doing, that's all it does. I call it. I, I tease him about. Are you, you going to have enough time after his homework to blow up shit on the internet? And he goes, "Oops, sorry, I said wrong word." And he goes, "Yep, but that's what it is. It's online gaming, and you can buy this mm-hmm. stuff, and it's backed up by real money. You have to buy this stuff, and then you can buy extra weapons off people. And it's just, it's yep. to, to an old guy like me, it's crazy." An old guy, yeah, that's right, old guy like you. But it just goes to show that um, you can, anything can have value as long as people think it has sure. value, no matter what it is. Pet rocks. Well, look at a lot of this, uh, like, postmodern art. There's objectively no value there, but people are buying it for, what, $50 million? That makes even less sense than Bitcoin. 
Well, probably. Well, I mean, like the <laughs> urinal. There was just like some guy just put a urinal on a pedestal, and that was the art. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's a statement, and it's an important piece, and some art oh, Bitcoin, critic said that it's worth a lot. Bitcoin kind of is a statement about currency should be, I don't know, something about taxes. I haven't really been paying a whole lot of attention, but most people into Bitcoin also feel like money should be less regulated. Well, that's kind of, that's the whole point. Is that We're deconstructing mm-hmm. America, its values, its families, its everything. And so to deconstruct the monetary system is something that I'm sure is appealing to a lot of people. Yeah. And not being able to be traced. Right. Well, come on. We only kicked in $4.9 billion for that rocket launch yesterday for no reason. I am so... How did he get all the credit when we paid... How much How much did he kick in? I have no idea. He got all the credit, though, and the taxpayers kicked in $4.9 billion. I just don't understand. <laughs> what is that all about? Hey, look, I owned, I owned one of the first Teslas in America. I loved my Tesla. The bricking thing was too much for me, so I sold it. But it does. they don't brick anymore, so that's good. But I, So I love Tesla. I think it's magnificent. I don't... Elon... First of all, you grew up in Pretoria, South Africa. Now you want to send people to Mars. Why don't you calm down there, eBay? <laughs> Settle down, right? Dial it back. Now, Doug, how many years did you go to Cornell? I never went to Cornell. Damn it, I was hoping you did. I was hoping you went. Someone I, we know went to Cornell, I yeah, think. Maybe. Who was that? I know you went to McAllister, but I was hoping you went to Cornell as well because they're in big trouble. Okay, oh, what, are, what did they say? Go ahead. Zeta Beta Dow. Is that how you say it? Zeta Beta Dao? Uh What is the spelling? It's Tau. T-A-U. It's Tau. Oh, in yep. Greek, it's just Tau, yeah. It's just Tau. Zeta Beta Tau. Okay. Uh, a Cornell University fraternity chapter that held a sex contest that members dubbed the Pig Roast. Oh, my God. In reference to the way to the women they slept with has been placed on probation for two years. <sighs> is this story written in 1956? Yes, I know. Isn't that unbelievable? Does it seem like it? Fraternities, I just don't get. I don't understand what they're thinking. Yeah, Melina. So yeah, Melina. Such well, weird let, I mean, let's not forget that Facebook was started to rank uh, underclass women, right? Yep, that's that's what, how it started. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So that's why I don't go on, and I still hate it. This story was posted two hours and 27 minutes ago. Two hours and 27 minutes. That's how old this story is. Well, people routinely die in drinking contests, so this shouldn't be too surprising. Well, of syphilis eventually. (laughs) (laughs) That's really nice. Uh, The university said officials launched an investigation of the Zeta Beta Tau fraternity last year after reports about the secret game in which new members could get points by having sex with women, reports the AP. In the case of a tie in the contest, which was to be kept secret from the women, the win would go to the member who had sex with the heaviest woman. According to the investigation that wrapped up last month, Cornell's Fraternity and Sorority Review Board determined the chapter was in violation of policies against hazing and sexually abusive behavior. The frat said its brotherhood was shocked and appalled. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm so sure they shocked. were. Shocked. <laughs> shocked and appalled. And very appalled. By the unsanctioned activities, the Kappa chapter of ZBT is horrified at the notion of the degradation and or objectification of women and the impact it has had on men and women across the United States at, and at Cornell. The frat said in a statement, it said it will host educational programs on healthy eating. No, I'm sorry. Healthy relationships. <laughs> Conduct a membership <laughs> review and partnership. Shut up, Doug. Sorry, it was funny. <laughs> you Healthy pill. eating. Come on, it was a good one. Hell. There can't be any pig roasts if there's no fatties. Exactly. Oh. Uh, conduct a membership review in partnership with its international headquarters and expel members found not, to be not committed to the frat's ideals and values. The university in Ithaca said that Ithaca's having a lot of trouble this week, man. Yeah. What else happened in oh, Ithaca? Oh, Ithaca High School. You saw that one, didn't you? Uh, I missed it. Ithaca maybe. High School. The play? No. Uh, they uh, shut down a play. Oh, I've heard of this, though. You did, yeah. They shut down a play at Ithaca High School because uh, it was uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame or Notre Dame, however you wish to pronounce it. You were it. talking about that this morning with that Mexican girl, Michelle, right? That Mexican, yes, that Mexican Michelle. That was a joke, everybody. Yeah. Well, she, yeah, it's a joke because she's Spanish. She's not Mexican. That Puerto Rican. Oh, not Puerto Rican either, Spanish. But in any, any case, yeah, uh, we were talking about this this morning, that uh, that Esmeralda in The Hunchback of Notre Dame is actually a an Italian and French woman. 
Right. Uh, but she is described in the book as having brown hair and brown eyes. So everybody jumped and said, well, you can't give that role to a blonde woman with, with green <sighs> eyes because that's, uh, she's the epitome of whiteness. whiteness. Well, a lot of them think that Esmeralda is supposed to be a gypsy, and when a lot of people think gypsy, they think, think Catherine. They no, they think the opposite of Catherine. They think like yeah, some like ethnically ambiguous person from oh. from some country that like doesn't even exist. Well, to be fair, my Bohemian ancestry, well, yeah. they are darker people. I got this coloring from but my German father. Basically, their problem is they believe Esmeralda shouldn't be white, and that it's further muddled by the fact that. In the movie, the Disney movie, she wasn't white. She was like, I don't know. She was Italian. Ah! <laughs> she, Another she, shot at She looks like she's like <laughs> half black but with blue eyes. I don't know. So she, ethnically ambiguous. So there you go. Well, what does that have to do with a high school? Literally nothing. But play. that's how students are. They've lost their minds. Oh, see, They've there you go. You've got, you got high school students being so ridiculously over the top sensitive about every tiny little thing and then you've got these yeah and cornell at a university you've got people that are taught way better and and they're you know young so i'm sure that they have been programmed since high school about all of this kind of behavior and still they act like this the second that they can yeah so i don't know i want to ask you a question Catherine, because i brought this up on on the show and i think maybe doug heard this part I just, uh, you and I were watching some commercials from the 50s and 60s, just for something to do, kind of watching the commercials, TV commercials yeah. in the 50s and 60s. Tom finds a whole station that does nothing but play Oh, that was on Amazon, that. wasn't it? It was on Amazon, yep. yeah. I have a follow-up oh, story you, when you get done with this. Go, go ahead. Because we'll, uh, I'll just say this. We, we noticed in the commercials, and these are from the 1950s and early 60s, one of the commercials for Crest Toothpaste had two young black kids in it. Wow. Now, I will tell you something. Until that kind of story came up, that Esmeralda story, we wouldn't have even noticed that. They're just a couple of kids in a, in a commercial, but now you pay particular attention to it because yes. everything is so focused on yeah. race. Yeah. It's insane. I did not care for the first 25 no. years of my life no. at all. We'll be right back with uh, Doug's question or comment right after this Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. If you've noticed your vision getting cloudy, blurry, or dim, or having more difficulty seeing at night, you could have cataracts. Tom here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they do much more? They do, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age where my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Of course, Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology and vision options available, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you've been told you have cataracts or you're wondering why things just aren't as clear as they used to be, call the experts at Whiting Clinic or go to whitingclinic.com to learn more. See the folks at Whiting Clinic in order to see your very best. And don't forget to tell them that I sent you. Say, didn't she do this at her farewell tour in 2002? Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I used to sing this? I sang this one time to Jude, and Jude went crazy. Yeah, I started barking yeah. and crying. He, he used to be, get mad at the weirdest things. Didn't he like did it. indeed. One of the first things I remember is I put a paper towel roll on the ground. He didn't like that. <laughs> no, you know he doesn't like paper towels. And he didn't he like Dad doing towel. the twist. Doesn't like me doing the twist. No one likes that. And he didn't like Dad's uh, <laughs> Shopco quality coat. Yeah, because it had a hoodie. Yeah, he hated that coat. I love that coat. I My Shopco quality so coat. Oh, the weirdest dog. Um, 
Before we move on to Doug's comment on this, I'd like to point out that if I go see uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Esmeralda better look exactly like Maria Ospenskaya or else I'm not going. There you go. You guys remember who that even is? No. no. You don't know who Maria Ospenskaya is? No. Okay, let me say her most famous line, and then you tell me if you know who she is. The werewolf pays attention to the sign of the pentagram. Well, you know, remember the old gypsy in the werewolf movies? I well, never saw those. No. Oh, you never saw them? No. Yeah, Maria Espenskaya was an old, old gypsy that was in every one of the werewolf movies and a lot of mm. horror films. She was in The Wolfman, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, the, and that's it. The Wolfman Meets Frankenstein. But, yeah, that's All plenty. And now, ladies and gentlemen, commentary by Doug Spring. So it's, it's like what you were talking about, the 50s and 60s TV commercials. I, we were talking about offensive commercials, and they played one from it was Mel Blanc doing a, uh, a Frito commercial in the 60s. I played it for uh, Sarah and our youngest, and they couldn't believe it actually aired. Do you remember the Frito Bandito song? Mike, aye, aye, that's aye, it. Aye, Did you find I it, Mike? I Frito Bandito. I love Frito's corn chips. I love them, I do. I Excellent. love them so much that I'll steal some years from years you. Old than you remember. <laughs> I remember it because Mom used to sing it when I was like 10, <laughs> and I still remember it. <laughs> Yeah. Every time we had Fritos, yeah. I had to sing it. Sorry. Like, and now we don't really eat Fritos real. anymore, so I guess. <laughs> the Frito Bandito. That's true. <laughs> so she didn't care for the commercial? No, she thought she thought it was a joke. I said, no, this actually ran in the 60s. This oh, was a oh, yeah. legitimate well, a commercial. Ban- but it, he was a Bandito. It wasn't, right. it, it wasn't a... Here we go. Hello, senor. I am the Frito Bandito. Oh, don't be afraid. I am not going to steal your Frito's corn chips. I buy them from you, okay? See, I give you silver. No silver? Okay, I give you gold. You don't like gold neither? Eh, maybe you like better some lead, huh? Citizens, protect yourselves. Never buy one bag of crunchy Fritos corn chips. Always buy two and hide one for you. Who knows? There may be a Frito Bandito in your house. <laughs> that wasn't the theme song, but that was close. There's actually a theme yeah. song that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that announcer in there who was talking like that? Yeah. When I first uh, started my voiceover career, they wanted everybody to talk yeah. like that. That sounded a lot like Bugs Bunny. That was Mel Blanc. Yeah, it's Mel Blanc. If if you're familiar with him, you can hear his voice in every voice he does. I mean, like, you know, he he has a range, but there's always that quality to it that, you know, says Mel Blanc. I still love my Mel Blanc story. I've told you that, haven't I, Doug? I don't remember it. I think I I do remember you telling me a story about him, but I don't remember what it was. Bugsy at Bugsy. Buzzy's recording studio in Los Angeles, California, many, many years ago like the late 70s, probably 1980, somewhere in there. I was out there cutting some commercials. And as I was walking in, he was walking out, and I said, oh, Mel Blanc. And he goes, yeah, kid, I know. It's great to meet me. (laughs) (laughs) I think he just heard it so many times. He was a a nice guy, but he just kind of blew right by me. Yeah, "Yeah, I know, kid. It's great to meet me. (laughs) I think after a certain point, you just just get so sick of it, yeah. Because every you can't yeah. talk in public without every kid around going. I know that voice. Well, yeah. Ay, 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 ay. There it is. I am the Frito Bandito. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them. I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. How many cocktails oh, do you think they had at the ad agency Bandito. before they came up with that one? <laughs> oh. Well, there was one yesterday, Doug. And you might remember these, but Catherine and I did not. But I don't think you'd remember them. You're too young. Uh, Boy, I don't hear that Catherine often anymore. Yeah, thank you for that. No, I think you and Catherine are about the same age. But I... Um, there was a there was a uh, Goodyear tire commercial, and it was called a tire in a tire. Do you remember tires? Yeah, in yeah, tires? yeah, yeah. That was I. You know, I I don't remember when oh, it aired do? live, but I have seen that commercial. It's like 
it's, oh, it's there's so sexist. A, yeah, there's a woman out <laughs> driving around in the middle of the night by herself, yes. and you have to protect her yep. by mm-hmm. buying these Goodyear tires. It is weird. Yes, yeah, so she's clutching her coat and doesn't know what to do about this flat tire. Well, it's oh, preying it's... on you know the fact that men feel like they have to protect the tribe. I know, and then there was one for um, window cleaner. No, or no. Oh, wait, she... let's finish this All story. Right, because also the actual sexist. line in the, the commercial, as this woman is walking away, clutching her scarf around her neck, and she's all afraid because she's got a flat tire. She's alone. So what happens when a woman gets a flat tire and there's not a man around? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Pimps up, hose down. <laughs> I have to admit, every single time I've had a flat tire, which is three, three times. A guy has pulled over and changed it for me. See? <laughs> I know. It is, it is nice. I and mean, I can do it, but I don't want to if I don't have to. By the way, none of those guys was me. No. <laughs> well, you need, a, you need, like, the tools and everything, which you don't have in your car, do you? Sure. There, every car has a Well, actually, a lot of cars now don't have trunk. A lot of cars now don't have spares anymore. Mm-mm. Yeah. I've never had a spare in my cars. Triple nope. A. Yeah. What do you have now no just we, nothing they don't have anything we call a walzer automotive group yeah, that's right Road hey doug what are you doing well not much time well, i got a flat tire on highway 100 and i'm in the left lane <laughs> come on over i mean if necessary you can you know just drive on the flat until you get somewhere safe you can yeah and that's well, what you should so do. you don't have to just stop in the middle of the highway that's a thousand times worse well, wouldn't yeah. you want to have a spare tire if you're on like a cross-country trip and you might well, be in yeah. the middle of nowhere yeah if you're going to drive more than you know an hour outside the city definitely bring a spare sure but but triple a because of size and weight savings most manuf- fewer and fewer manufacturers yep. are putting them in cars anymore oh that's interesting well, it's better than those little donuts they were putting in for a while. Yeah, those You can drive for oh, 50 miles, yeah, but don't go over 10. 45 miles oh, an hour. Yeah. yeah. So the other sexist um, commercial was, uh, I think it was glass cleaner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, it was glass cleaner, and the guy was going to shave, and he could see himself shaving, so he was all excited about this glass cleaner. And, of course, it shows right away after he's done a woman coming in and cleaning the, the, the mirror yeah. it's like oh he couldn't do it himself <laughs> Mother of God. it was 409 glass cleaner is what it was uh, was it yep it yeah, was 409 glass cleaner i like you the could way see you said, your breath on one side i like the way you said the other sexist commercial i think pretty much <laughs> yeah. all of them yeah, from yeah. 1928 of, yeah to the probably the late 70s well oh, every commercial is at least um pandering yeah. At the very least. So there's yeah. always some uh, some issues there. Yeah, I imagine that's true. It's not your average theater performance, and it's not your average problem for the actors involved. Audience members who grope them. As BuzzFeed explains, the popular Sleep No More production at the McKittrick Hotel in New York City is a blood and sex-filled adaptation of Macbeth. In which cast members often interact with the audience. Our guest just called in. The first thing she hears is blood and sex film. <laughs> Whoops. So, uh, Sorry about that. Well, what are you going to do? I'll finish this quickly, I promise. It's Shakespeare. In Go some ahead. Se- uh, yes. In some scenes, actors are naked. Audience members, meanwhile, wear white masks that make them anonymous. They're separated from the people they came with. They are encouraged to drink at the bar before the show. The result... BuzzFeed talks to eight former cast members, male and female, who were groped over the years, and the site confirms 17 instances of groping or sexual harassment by audience members. Well, what the hell do you expect? Once you gave people a mask, it was carte blanche yeah. for them to let them do whatever they wanted, says one former staffer. The story cites emails from staffers showing concerns about the problem going back to the show's first year in 2011. An original female cast member says she was groped three times in 17 months. The story includes an email in which she writes, there should be a little phrase added to the entry speech about not touching performers. She adds that the audience is told fortune favors the bold before the show, which some drunk uh, patrons interpret to mean do whatever you want to performers. Uh, The hotel and the immersive production company say that they take the safety of the cast members seriously and have safeguards and training in place. So please stop groping the performers. Please. Mm-hmm. Pretty please. But I thought, I thought New York led the way in, in teaching people how to behave. I thought it was L.A. and, uh, and New York. They're, they're all the way. It turns out all the people who love to tell us how to live our lives are all the people who love to grope other people. 
I think the fundamental mean, flaw wait, 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 wait. is the thinking they're that drunk people they don't with know masks what they're on. doing. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I'm just talking about the L.A. people. Okay. All those actors that love to stand up and tell us how we should act uh, and, and then go around groping up a storm, little boys and women. And, <laughs> up a storm. And groping guilty, up a storm. Guilty conscience. It's, did you say we have a guest on? I did. Really? Uh-huh. Hello. I believe Maggie's on the line. I believe I am. Have you been hearing this entire thing? Yeah, I was thinking about groping back. <laughs> you groping? Don't Could, do it. No. Let me ask you a question about this, because this is for a question for everybody. I would never think about groping someone. I'm wearing a mask and I'm hammered. Or I would never think of sticking my hand where it doesn't belong. I don't understand that. Sounds like you're in the minority. Yeah, it Let's is move on. interesting how people feel that they can take privilege with another person's body, but it happens all the time. All the happens, time. Ha- certainly happened to every woman I've ever known, uh, and myself. Oh, it happened to you, too? Of course. Really? Yeah. Well, I don't know about, see, I'm a guy, so I don't know about, of, of course, because I'm, I'm not big into groping women. Uh, Catherine, I've been married for 35 years, and I've known her for uh, 38 years. I just, when I was, you know what, though? I'll tell you something. And Maggie, I think this Maggie Han, uh, Hadley West is our special guest. We'll be talking about sick to death. We'll not only offer information on thyroid disease, but to help you and your audience learn tips and tools on how to best advocate for your own health care needs, which is a good idea. We know someone who is very affected by thyroid disease. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we absolutely do. Who is that? It's uh, my sister's friend. Yeah, she um, had, I think, Alex, are oh, you in the studio? Yes, yeah. I am. She had thyroid cancer and had to have her... Yeah, she had, had half, to get it removed and everything. Oh, wow. She had half and of she her thyroid... She had half of her thyroid removed and then ended up needing the whole thing removed. And yes, all of her doctors were like, you're fine, your thyroid's fine, your thyroid's fine. And she's like, it's not fine. You need to biopsy it. Figure it out. And then she ended up having thyroid cancer. Huh. Right, and had they actually been paying attention in the first place, she might not have had thyroid cancer. Absolutely, yeah. That's terrible. No, it yeah, is if you terrible. Catch yeah. cancer early enough; it's not really an issue. But yep. and then I have the, that's the tricky part. I have another friend that had a baby and had all these health issues afterwards, and she's like, "I think I have Hashimoto's. I think I have Hashimoto's." And all of her doctors are like, "No, it's just postpartum stuff." Blah blah blah. And sure enough, she has Hashimoto's. <laughs> right. That's very common as well, and in, that's one of the things that I talk about in, in the film Sick to Death. It's because, first of all, people get misdiagnosed with postpartum when they actually have Hashimoto's, but um, second of all, they, the doctors don't know what they're looking at because they're relying specifically on a lab test, which misses 85% of people. 85%? What? Why do yes. you do it? That's yes. terrible. It is. It's astounding, too, and the thing that's really... Um, kind of hilarious and unfortunate about it is once you actually know what thyroid disease is, it's very easy to diagnose. I do it all the time. And in fact, I even do that in the film. But because doctors rely on this faulty test, which is called the TSH Mm -hmm. test, and then they um, prescribe a drug if somebody's lucky enough to be sick enough to be diagnosed, that drug then undertreats the vast majority of people. So it's really a mess in the world of thyroid disease. And women always, and it's predominantly women, it's men too, but predominantly women, they have more symptoms and they know what's going on. It's an amazing story. Can we take a very, very quick break, Maggie, and then come back? Because I want to spend an entire segment talking to you if you have time to do that today. Sure, I'd love to. Magnificent. We'll be back in just a couple of seconds, ladies and gentlemen. More with Maggie Hadley West, Sick to Death, the documentary, right after this, Tom aren't you? Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special which includes two premium my pillows and two go anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first my pillow. If you already know how great the my pillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM or go to mypillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. 
That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. What are you moonwalking, Molina? Is that the plan here? He is just around the room. No, the uh, drummer. The, moonwalking up a the drummer for Billie Jean just died. Oh, that's days right. Ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that news. Maggie Hadley West, our special guest promoting the documentary "Sick to Death," will not only offer information on thyroid disease, it can also help you and your audience learn tips and tools on how to best advocate for your own healthcare needs while clarifying why so many people go without diagnosis of a chronic condition, often for years and years. Maggie, I think uh, once we get deeper into the story, you and I agree on one thing completely, and I catch uh, hosting two shows. I do a morning show and an afternoon show, and I I catch a lot of heat from the pharmaceutical companies because I think they're doing things that they should not be doing. I, I just... Oh, I totally agree. Oh, it's... Maggie, let me let me just say this quickly, and then I I, I want to just hear from you, and I'll shut up. I promise. I, I just when I tune into the news, the the, the national news every night, and I see them uh, driving their outlets because pharmaceutical companies own those national news programs every night. Every commercial is for a drug, every one of them. And I got to believe if you're spending that much money on advertising, on all those drugs, on all those news shows. You're going to want people to have anxiety. You're going to want people to have sleep disorders. You're going to want people to feel uncomfortable because we got the drugs that can make you sleep, can make you happy, can make you comfortable. Uh, I, I just think the news is helping to drive anxiety in this country more than anything else in history. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. They are huge sponsors of media outlets. And they are in the business of maintaining symptoms, not in the business of wellness, which is really, really it. unfortunate. I love your take on it. And that. actually, it, in, um, in my film, In Sick to Death, the, the drug that I'm focusing on are, are Synthroid and Levothyroxine. Mm-hmm. And Synthroid is a brand name, and Levothyroxine is the generic. Synthroid has been out of patent since the 60s, I believe. <laughs> But they own the business of thyroid disease in the same way that um, chemo owns cancer. And so, you know, I know in my experience, I took a levothyroxine drug for 20 years, and I had incredible symptoms, and I had no idea what was going on. I thought I, I thought my thyroid was taken care of, and all of these other things were happening. But one of the really unfortunate things that happened um, in my life was that it gave me insomnia for 20 years. Hmm. I have insomnia. Are you taking levothyroxine? Yeah, let's not be taking that. I, 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 30 year struggle, Maggie. You had a 30 yeah, year struggle incredible. with this. Yeah, I did. And I still do because it's not, you know, the thing is, is we as Americans, we sort of want a quick fix. We want to take a right, pill and be right. well, but it doesn't work that way. And because um, as I share in the movie, because my thyroid was um, irradiated, so it was killed inside my body, which was a very bad decision on my part, but I, I didn't know it then. Um, so I'm completely reliant on medication for this major gland, and, and it creates a lot of problems in terms of just, you know, your body functioning, functioning properly because 
You need thyroid hormone in every cell and organ and bone in your body. And if you don't get it, all kinds of caca starts happening. <laughs> all kinds of caca? <clears throat> like what? What kind, true. What, what kind of symptoms? Well, for instance, you can have carpal tunnel syndrome or plantar fasciitis, or people can be misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia when it's low thyroid, or you can have heart palpitations, or you can be undertreated until you end up um, with thyroid cancer or breast mm. cancer or lung cancer Jeez. or um, your hair um, can begin to fall out or just things don't develop properly. But there are direct links to, from undertreated thyroid to um, heart problems and cancer. So what, 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 what can people do as far as getting a proper test if this test is so bad? Well, that's actually a great question because it's really pretty simple. There's on my website, which is sick2death.com, there is a tab, which is how to test yourself. And it's a very old school test. You take a thermometer, you put it under your tongue before you get out of bed in the morning, and you just register what your body temperature is. And if your body temperature is running low, your thyroid's running low. If your body temperature is running high, your thyroid's running high. And then you... There's a, um, there's a medical book on the website that inspired the film. You can list, look through the list of symptoms, and then you can find a doctor who actually understands thyroid disease because it is important to get to somebody who really understands the complications of thyroid disease and how it's being missed. Are there any um, other things that you can do other than take the standard drugs? to help your oh, thyroid? Yeah. Okay. Yes, there is a natural desiccated thyroid. It's made out of pig hormone. That's the medication that I'm on now, and my body loves it, and it feels so much better. It makes me feel more normal than anything else. But the real issue is not just the natural desiccated thyroid. It's that Synthroid and the levothyroxine drugs are trying to own the business because natural desiccated thyroid doesn't work for everybody either. But as patients, we deserve to have the right to figure out what is the best solution for us. Sure. And because the American Thyroid Association is in the pocket mm. of those pharmaceuticals, they have actually issued guidelines that say that doctors have to prescribe those drugs, and if they, if they prescribe something else, there's a possibility of losing their license. What? And if a... Yes. And if a patient has the audacity to be like me and continue to be symptomatic after taking the drugs, then they need a mental health referral. Oh, my God. You know what exactly. amazes me about this is, you know, just to kind of re-reference this whole pharmaceutical problem, because uh, Maggie feels the same way. You're talking to Maggie Hadley West. Um, this whole situation, you combine social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, combined social media, uh, all of these major corporations now just comb through all of this information that people so freely give on social media and then use that against the general public. It, it's amazing. The things that will show up on my screen, I don't, I don't go on Facebook and I don't go on Twitter. I did up until about four and a half, five years ago, but I just couldn't stand the hatred. No matter what you say, I hate you. Oh. Okay, mm -hmm. well, that's mm -hmm. uh, interesting. So then... It's it, really true. Yeah, it, it is really true. Social media is destroying America, and the great benefactor, uh, I mean, the, the ones, I should say, the ones receiving all the benefit would be the pharmaceutical companies because people now... Well, I tell you what, uh, it's a true story. I took Trazodone and Xanax to sleep for a long time because I get up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, so it's very difficult for me to get to sleep. I've now started taking things like inositol and, and, and natural substances rather than pharmaceuticals because I just, I don't trust them anymore. I don't trust them at all, Maggie, and that's not, a, that's not a healthy thing either, is it? No, I feel the same way. I'm very untrusting. But on the flip side of the social media, what it has done in terms of thyroid disease, it has galvanized patients. There is a gigantic community of thyroid patients and cancer patients 
that are looking for help and that are mm-hmm. sharing information. Good. And and in fact, it took me six years to make my film Sick to Death. And in that process, you know, there were 15,000 people waiting on my Facebook page and millions of other people waiting for it to be released through various other patient advocates. And, you know, if when I had my thyroid removed, if I had had a resource like that, I probably would never have drank radioactive iodine. Well, that would have been a good idea. I saw that after drinking radioactive iodine to kill her overactive thyroid, filmmaker Maggie Hadley West catapults into illness only to run smack into a complicated medical maze. It took you six years to make Sick, sick to Death. It certainly did. And that's actually really, really fast for a documentary. Well, I suppose that is. I, by, it was purely accidental, well, by, by coincidence, I shouldn't say accidental, by coincidence, that we were talking about sexual harassment when you came on because I didn't, what I try to do is I try to read the, the bios as I get them. I don't like to pre-read things like to have a, because I like to have a natural reaction to what I'm reading, right? Mm-hmm. So I get to the bottom, and in 1991, Maggie Hadley West made the very first film on sexual harassment in public called War Zone, which garnered worldwide attention and completed a first feature on the same, of the same name in 1998. So that, you, you made it in 1991, 1998, you kind of, kind of finished the, well, not finished the project, but you, you, you got the full word out that you wanted to. M- my daughter, who's there with you, Alex, has a very... She, she, she has uh, big opinions about that after living in New York. You were working at, uh, where were you working then, Alex? The magazine. Yeah, you were working at a magazine. But you used to get harassed in public on the streets of New York constantly. I did. I feel like any woman that's walking in the streets of New York gets bothered constantly. Yeah, absolutely. I was living in New York when I, when I made both Warzone films. It was what inspired me because I was so sick of being harassed. And the irony of making, you know, beginning that work in the early 90s was that at that time, I thought it was like decades behind the, behind the <laughs> schedule, you know, that it was so important and so imperative. I actually couldn't believe that nobody had done anything on it before. Nobody had ever done anything on sexual harassment well, before. This has been a huge problem no, in, for public. A long time. in public. In public. In public. Street harassment. Right. Um, you did see that Steve Wynn resigned from his own company today, I would assume. Yes, res- and that's fantastic. Yeah. I, uh, we had, at the very beginning of the conversation, in the first, uh, first bit there, before the break, I was talking about the fact that I, it doesn't really occur to me to grope women or sexually harass women because I was raised by women, my mother, my two sisters. So it just doesn't really... What drives it, do you think, Maggie? What what drives some men to attack women, and in some cases, little boys? Why do men think that they have the right to suit and say and do whatever they wish? Well, there is a um, a patriarchy that we live under, and men have more power than women traditionally, and typically on the streets, it's anonymous. So it's a man that's harassing a woman that he doesn't know. And because it's in public, you know, women are very fearful because we, we have so much experience with this that we know that this kind of thing can escalate quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's usually nobody around to support us, you know. So the, the cliche of it being, you know, a bunch of men and one woman, it's usually not. It's usually one-on-one. But it is about entitlement, and it's about fantasy. And, and I actually believe that the public harassment of women is the arena in which men, you know, sort of get their chops, and then they bring it into the workplace or into the home or whatever, because it's mm-hmm. completely socially condoned. Yeah, I, and I'm sorry for changing the subject on you, but it just fascinates me because I was taught that real power for men is to protect people, not harass them. And, I, and and you can ask pretty much anybody I know, you can ask my family, I get crazy about protecting other people. Yes, he does. I, I do, and I'm Maggie, I do get... I was taught to be a real man, you protect people, you don't take advantage of them. Yeah, I am totally with you, Tom, and actually it's the same thing in Sick to Death. That's exactly right. what okay. I'm trying to do, Excellent. is when I... 
when I began telling my story about this film, it wasn't really about me, even though I'm, a, I'm just a conduit. I'm trying to protect all the people that are coming up that aren't getting the help that they need. So it's the very same impulse, which is, you know, to make the world a better place. You know, I want you to do me a favor. Sometimes I have to get on the phone. First of all, we have to rebook you to talk because you have too, way too many things to talk to you about to get into one awesome. interview. I'd like to rebook you to talk about something. But I also want to talk to you about making a film about how people just love money. And they will do anything for money. The most, the most sick and depraved things. They will take advantage of their own families, their own friends. They will ruin people's lives for money. So I want you to make a movie about that. <laughs> well, you know what? To go back to sick to death, it, I do believe that's the underpinnings of this as it well. Is. Because it is. if it wasn't about greed and if it wasn't about monopoly capitalism then people would actually, doctors would actually be helping individuals, institutions would actually be there for the patients. And, um, and I just want to tell you before I forget that Vimeo, I mean, that Sick to Death is going to be available Excellent. on both Vimeo and on Amazon. But the easiest way for anybody to get to the film is through my website, which is sick2death.com. I want to book you again because I want to talk about, and I, I know that that's what Sick to Death is all about, and I believe it's what sexual harassment is all about as well. I want to talk to you for an entire segment about the greed element, and I know that's what Sick to Death is about, yes. but I really want to focus on it because it makes me ill to look at it. Yeah, it's disgusting, and it is actually completely pervading our world, which is really, really unfortunate. And and back to um, back to the film, you know, the unfortunate thing is you literally cannot swing a cat without hitting somebody that has thyroid disease. And the vast majority of the time, the people are undiagnosed because people are paying attention to money. They're not paying attention to what's actually happening in an individual's life or their body. I love your take. I will be reaching out soon, Maggie. Thank you so much for your time today. And can I tell you one last thing, Tom? Absolutely, of course. I went to high school in Minnesota. Where? I'm a cake eater. Oh, you're from Edina? Edina. You're dead to me now. <laughs> oh, Maggie. Maggie, you don't want to see what, what Edina's doing right now. It's not pretty. It wasn't pretty when I lived there, but I used to leave and go to South Minneapolis. <laughs> we should have come to North <laughs> Minneapolis. where my heart was. Well, you should have come to North Actually, Minneapolis. that's where my stepfather was from. All right. Well, we're definitely going to book you again, and we'll talk about high school, too. All right. Sounds Th great. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, our pleasure. Maggie Hadley-West, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back. Tom Bernard Show.